0: Hello and welcome back to the Poolside Podcast. My name's Derek. My name's Jay. And today we are revealing our top albums of 2020. But before we do so, I just want to remind you that you can find us on Instagram at Pullside Podcast. And if you subscribe to our Patreon, you'll get bonus episodes to our exclusive new show called Broside Broadcast and more. So check that out at patreon.com slash Podcast. So let's get right into things, Jay. We won't waste our listeners any time. They've heard us enough this year on our <laughs> hour and a half reviews for everything. We tried to cut down on time. We really did. <laughs> but there's just too much conversation to be had. We we open these up and
1: Derek's like, okay, yeah, we got stuff to do. We're gonna we're gonna lay this down. We're gonna get it out. And it'll be like forty five minutes. Forty five minutes tops. That's all I wanna spend on it. And then like two hours later, we got a good episode, I think.
0: It does turn out good and I feel like The things that we genuinely enjoy, you can tell that those do tend to be the longer episodes. And if you look at the shorter episodes of reviews that we did this year, they tend to be albums that didn't really hold up for me personally. And I feel like that kind of shows in just the length of our reviews. Oh, yeah,
1: definitely. I, I love talking about the albums that I, I really enjoy. I love, you know, telling people all about them and all the cool stuff that I found out about them. It, it, it's more enjoyable, I feel like. Right. Whereas, you know, I don't, I don't want to just sit there and, you know, take a big old bucket dump on something that maybe I personally don't like and somebody else loves. You know, there's no reason for that. So let's
0: talk about these uh, 2020 albums. So how many top albums would you say that you had for 2020? And what made those albums stand out from everything else you listened to this year? What
1: we're going to talk about is way different than how many I had,
0: (laughs) because I had like 30. But for this one, uh, we're going to talk about five. Five for me. And for me, I know this is going to be... A remarkably low number, but I had two top albums. Oh, wow. Just two. I feel like the things that made my top two albums stand out was the fact they didn't really offer anything new necessarily or groundbreaking, but they were both albums where the band's took a sound that was already like pretty good and they just dialed things in and perfected their sounds. For me, these were tough as like many of the albums that were just
1: creative masterpieces due to everybody just being locked in. And like, you know, we had all these like social injustices that finally boiled over and are being called out. So that's the kind of music that I really like to listen to. Mm-hmm. And I feel like everybody just had a lot of time to make that kind of music. So there, there's lots of inspiration coming out. There's lots of uh, giving it like that extra oomph to encourage fans to make the purchase because they can't go out and buy things. So I, I don't know. I thought it was a good year for at least, you know, the stuff that I enjoy.
0: So in a way, like we have somewhat polarizing opinions. There was a lot of stuff that came out this year that like sounded good, but like under my very critical standpoint of looking at things, I just wasn't very impressed. And I do want to say I I went through and re-listened to a lot of stuff that we reviewed. I listened to stuff that we missed. And overall... It was like an okay year from to me musically, but I know for a lot of people, there's some people that's listened to way more than you and have super long lists. But as you mentioned, you have five. I have two. So let's get into our honorable mentions. Were there any albums that came close but just didn't make it for your top albums or at least top five?
1: So I must have rearranged my list a million times. I, I finally just the, the answer that I came up with was me just like giving up essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, so I had a, a couple of runner ups. I called it my top 10. So these were the considerations that I was kind of like chess piecing around. I had uh, Loathe. Uh, I let it in and it took everything. Uh, Invent Animates, Graveview, uh, Slow Decay by the Acacia Strain, Palimpsest by Protest the Hero, and Monomania by The Word Alive.
0: Okay, so you definitely had some variation in sound there.
1: Yeah, no, it was it was all over the place. I mean, we got prog, we got just plain old metalcore, bordering like deathcore stuff in there. There's I don't know, it, yeah, just mix bag for sure.
0: Okay, well, because I don't have very many top albums, you know, I do have honorable mentions, and the ones that I'm going to talk about today, the first being Bill Murray's newest album, Eggy Pocket. That's my first honorable mention and I know for a lot of people that's going to come as a pretty big surprise. So here's my favorite song off that album. So basically, my history with Bill Murray is that, you know, I've been listening to that band. It's Johnny Frank. I've been listening to Bill Murray, the project, since the self-titled album in 2016. And before he did that, he had his project called The March Ahead, which was more of like the attack, attack sound that I feel like some people are kind of wanting now. And they just don't know that like that side of his music exists because... It was like six years ago plus.
1: Yeah, six years ago. It's been a minute.
0: But, you know, I've been pretty disinterested in Bill Murray music since his album Taco because I didn't really care for like the lo-fi style that he changed to. I just felt like it took a complete tonal change. I have mixed feelings about Bill Murray, as I've said in the past. You know, Johnny Frank just
1: kind of gets under my skin as a person. Yeah, I really do enjoy you know, his Bill Murray project, you know, as you were saying. So I I try to get over that. If it comes on, I try. Sometimes (laughs) it just pisses me off and I I skip it anyway. But I'm not going to go out of my way for it. Right. Put it that way.
0: Now, I feel like in terms of where this ranks in his music, because he does have several albums up to this point, I feel like this is a return to form to what he did on his albums Banana and Solid Chubb. He kind of took the, you know, band sound that was featured on the albums before those, and then he incorporated some, like, electronic elements. I thought that was a perfect marriage. You know, I'm not really ecstatic about this release, but it certainly feels more genuine. Unless agenda-based to get, you know, those cheap laughs. One thing that I disliked about this album is that the names are still over the top, just stupid, and the artwork is also just really dumb too. And you were saying that you don't really care for them so much, and I think it's probably along those lines, am I right? I don't know, to me it just seems desperate. It's
1: try-hard. It, it is, very much so. And I don't know, That just that just rubs me the wrong way, and I
0: don't want to deal with it. <laughs> it's really the lowest form of humor and that's why i don't care for it so much it's like maybe if you just write good music people will hear it and you don't have to go back to like 2007 style of naming your song stupid stuff
1: i'm, I'm always torn because i i see these other bands like you know polaris stuff like that who are maybe taking a backseat to somebody like Bill Murray. I feel like that's entirely false, but for the example's sake, maybe taking a backseat to Johnny Frank and, you know, they're very serious about this. They're very studied in their ways. And here comes this asshole, you know, (laughs) with, with albums such as Eggie Pocket and Solid
0: Chub, which, by the way,
1: I want to say, I pride you on not even grinning when you said Solid Chub earlier.
0: (laughs) It's because I've said it so many times that it it doesn't even, like, phase me. He he says it so much. I'll stand up. I'm in my pajamas. He's just like, wow,
1: Solid Chub, bro.
0: Well... If I had to pick three songs off this album that I do really enjoy, you know, as I said, I hate the song names, but just for reference, if you want to go listen to these, my number one is Midwest Lawn Care Dads, Who Smash Brews. (laughs) Number two is Post Almond Clarity. And number three would be Egg, which is the last track on the album. So that's my first honorable mention. What's your number five, Jay?
1: So my number five was Dance Gavin Dance's Afterburner, and my favorite track on here was the legendary already Strawberries Wake.
0: so i have to say i'm not really surprised by this i don't i don't know this one just it had all the right stuff
1: you know i i really i really enjoyed this album. it's probably one of my favorite dance Gavin dance albums to be
0: honest and that's good to hear because we reviewed that back in april so this is you know it's been eight months since we reviewed that i'm glad that it held up for you oh it definitely did uh, i revisited uh maybe not
1: once a day but once every couple of days definitely every week this one is not number five because it was bad by any stretch but like out of the 30 albums or so that I did this one was a favorite and like Dance Gavin Dance it comes on like a mood to me you know like sometimes it just rubs me the wrong way and I'm just like I can't I can't deal with Tillian right now Tillian okay (laughs) you can't deal with Tillian I can't deal with John Mess but I adore John Mess
0: (laughs) I have to say if it wasn't for John Mess that album probably could have been a pretty good contender on my list. To,
1: to a certain degree. It's not just Tillian. It, it's just like all their music is very like full. Like yeah. everybody is very involved in a Dance Gavin Dance song. And sometimes I just want like simplistic. Like if I'm writing a report at work or something, I just I can't deal with all that stuff going on. I get that. But you know, you cannot deny that this group has been putting out just absolutely just bangers every year. Of this year being no exception Dance Gavin Dance has been around for a minute. And I feel like they definitely deserve at least a mention and uh, definitely a, a slot in my top five.
0: So clearly, you know, anyone who listened to the review and as they can hear you talk about them, you definitely have history with this band. Do you feel like this album is the artist's peak or do you think that there's room to grow after that release? Kind of (laughs) every time I hear that,
1: like the next dance, Gavin dance album in this meta, you know, somehow they outdo their last release. I feel like they're constantly progressing. And then just at some point, we're just going to be making music for aliens or some shit. I, I don't know how, like every time they bring in some like new wow factor
0: and it's impressive all over again. That's good to hear like a fan such as yourself talk about them in that way. And not be like, you know, this is their best stuff. It's all downhill from here.
1: See, like, I definitely think that it is their best stuff, but... Every single time I've fought that, they come out with another album, and I'm just like, "Fuck." That's good though.
0: It is. So, what were your three favorite songs from this album?
1: So, of course, I had uh, Strawberry's Wake," "Prisoner," and I was kind of struggling between a couple on the the third one, but I chose "Parallels" because I went back and I re listened to that that breakdown with the, the the weird like flanger at the end of it. Mm-hmm. "Parallels" is a uh, very unique.
0: And it's funny that your number five featured Bill Murray, with Bill Murray being my uh, number one honorable mention.
1: (laughs) I know. I'm still mad about that, to be
0: honest. I do have to say I enjoyed the song Prisoner. But that's the only song that I took away and was able to enjoy throughout the year.
1: Definitely feel like Dance Gavin Dance is an acquired taste. Mm-hmm. And I, I know how much you dislike John Mess, so it, it, I appreciate that you at least enjoy that song.
0: It is a pretty catchy song. So. so that was Jay's number five top album of the year. Up next is my number two honorable mention, Loathe. I let it in and it took everything. So for me, this is an honorable mention and not something I consider one of my top albums because the replay value isn't super high in my opinion.
1: I get that. I feel like, you know, when we reviewed this album, we use the word experience album a lot. And that's my next note. Okay. So it's an experience album. It is. Yeah. It's not something that you can just like pop in and pick a track off of. I mean, you can't like aggressive evolution is one that you could, but As a whole, I think it's better consumed as a whole. Uh, So I I could see why.
0: Right. And you can't just throw this album on at any point. Like, I just wouldn't throw this on on a Thursday. Like, (laughs) sun shining outside. Like, this is kind of a darker album, in my opinion. Like, the artwork is kind of darker. The overall sound just has its own place. It's a whole atmosphere, as you mentioned. And just on top of that... If you take the songs out of context, out of that whole album experience, the songs are pretty long. So this isn't something that is easily digested. No, they definitely frequent that four and five minute range uh,
1: just randomly. Whereas like most bands would have like, a four-minute song, a five-minute song, unless you're periphery and you have a 16-minute song for shits and giggles. But it is a lot to consume in one sitting, and it is something that needs to be consumed in one sitting. So I definitely get where you're coming from. And it certainly puts you in a headspace that you probably shouldn't have and shouldn't want.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, it's a great album, but I want something, at least in my top five, that I can throw on and I don't have to be in the right listening experience. I want something that I can listen to any time. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But I see why it's on the top five, though, because this is definitely
1: a really cool album. It's Mm -hmm. very unique. It's very artistic. So I, I definitely agree that it should be at least mentioned.
0: And this isn't really a band that I had history before we even reviewed them. But in terms of like it being their peak or if I feel like they have room to grow, I definitely feel like they can grow from here. And hopefully that means releasing something a little bit More condensed, not so long, because I think the album runtime was like 52 minutes or something, which is almost twice as long as, you know, other albums that we're going to be talking about. And I just think that they can kind of dial in on perfecting the ratio of artistic approach. And then something that's more easily digested.
1: Yeah, it, it could definitely be more a little more concise in the future. I, I get the choice to run these on for those four minutes, but you also have to think like a lot of that four minutes sometimes it's just like noise, them just making noise. They're one of those noise bands, you know? So maybe,
0: maybe cut down on that a little bit. If it wasn't for it being an experience album, if some of their songs were tidied up some, Unless artistic, I guess it probably would have been in my top five. It's just not something that I really got to listen to a lot of this year because I just didn't have an hour to sit down and listen to a full thing because we tend to be busy with other reviews. So it's hard to find that time.
1: Yeah, I definitely get that. That's definitely why a lot of my my other ones kind of fit into that set, like the Acacia Strain Slow Decay. Yeah. That's exactly why it's not in the top five. Love that stuff. Love that style. It's just... Finding
0: the appropriate time is difficult. <laughs> exactly. So in terms of my three favorite songs from this album, I would have to say Two Way Mirror, which I feel like is the most uh, mainstream worthy, I guess, of what you could show anyone and it would be acceptable. And then Is It Really You? And then my very favorite is Screaming.
1: Yeah. And uh, Two Way Mirror broke a million listens on Spotify. So congratulations to Loathe. Big congrats. So up next, I have my number four album of the year, which is Currents, The Way It Ends. Uh, My favorite track on there was Poverty of Self. Let's take a listen. So what made this my number four? Currents is just a group that I vibe with and I really don't have a better explanation than that. It has like light side of Deathcore vibes, but like that low, low tune guitar, all the tracks have like this groove to it, no matter like what album we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But like all the tracks are societal and personal issue topics, which I feel like is a very big thing this year. Uh, So, you know, props to them for number one, recognizing that and I guess cashing in on it a little bit, as bad as that sounds. But, you know, this is something that they're about. They're very much so an activist fan. They like to sing about world issues. Um, So this is not out of sort for them. But this album came out like partially written in lieu of the pandemic and such. Uh, So it has like some end of world themes going on. So I think it was very appropriately timed. Right. They absolutely mastered production in this album. And I think that there is more to come. Like they're they're just going to go up from here.
0: And that's an album that I didn't care for so much when we reviewed it. I think I went in with a mindset of it sounding similar to Polaris, and I guess I was kind of let down when it didn't. And going back and listening to it, it was last week. I hear what you're saying, and I can see why you like it. It's just a personal taste thing on my end of why I don't like it. It's by no means bad. It's just me and what it is don't align.
1: I get that. You know, I have a couple of things like like Bill Murray, you know, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely get that. This this is one of those bands say like I'm the literally the polar opposite of that. And like, I just enjoy that the tones and the grooves that they make just resonate with me in such a cool way.
0: Speaking of tones and grooves, I just want to say a flag to wave is perfection. And I think that's another reason why I don't care for the whole album so much is because I heard that song. I was like, this is fucking awesome. And then I didn't get that again. Yeah, no, they,
1: they go into like this... I feel like it's a a weird shift between like wanting to be this gent band, wanting to be this metalcore band that's kind of polaricy, I guess, and then wanting to be a deathcore band. Yeah. And it's just like whichever track you land on, it's going to be different. So I, I can kind of get why you'd be pissed about that.
0: I still haven't gone back and listened to their older stuff, which I intend on doing. We're going to have around a two month span of not having new albums to review, which I'm actually kind of excited about because that's going to give me the opportunity to go and listen to other stuff that we've not had time for so i get to do my homework get caught up on some bands and put things into better context
1: now if and this is a recommendation for you as well if you are not familiar with currents and would like to go back and do some homework i recommend listening to them in chronological reverse so start with the newer stuff work your way back good to know because right around 2016, 2017 or so, they they definitely have a stylistic change up from the place I feel safest and I let the devil in. So keep an eye out for that.
0: So do you feel like this is the artist's peak or do you think that there's room to grow? I think
1: that this is just like the tip of the iceberg for currents because in the past, they've had like very intricate guitar, but kind of bad mixing, mm-hmm. or they've had very good mixing and like kind of basic guitar. Uh, so this one, I feel like they've kind of come to that, that good medium. And I'm hoping to see on the next one is more intricate with great production. So I think that they definitely have a high ceiling.
0: And what were your three favorite songs on this album?
1: So Poverty of Self, of course... They have a song called Split on there, which I feel like people don't like that much, but I absolutely love it. And Second Skin. Second Skin was uh, really, really well done.
0: Well, we are finally getting in the territory of my top albums. Next up is Like Moths to Flames, No Eternity in Gold is my number two top album of 2020. It's also my top three.
1: So Derek, what was your favorite track on No Eternity in Gold?
0: You know, it's been my favorite since I heard it. Habitual Decline. Hands down. It's my favorite Like Moss to Flame song ever. And the thing that made this album land at number two, which I'll go ahead and say, this could very easily be my number one because this and my number one are very easily interchanged. They have similar things going on. And as I mentioned earlier on, I feel like like Mazda Flames, took what they were good at and went really great with it. So I appreciated that there was progression, and in terms of things that they couldn't even control, I guess completely, was that just the mix on this sounded much better, in my opinion. Now, I, I will definitely agree with that. The mix on this album
1: was, oof. I, I mean, there's there's some big shots in the scene that do not have albums as clean as this. And I am very impressed. I am very impressed with all of these musicians as a whole, because I kind of found them on this album. Right. I knew of them beforehand, yeah. But I never really gave them the time of day, and now... I listened to this album and since we did the review on the podcast, I've went back and listened to their whole catalog. I mean, honestly, they've kind of been showstoppers from the beginning. Like yeah, all of their stuff was pretty damn good.
0: I just want to say I was not expecting this album at all, especially this year. And I admittedly put them on the back burner, kind of thinking that they would fade away because I listened to them back in 2011 with When We Don't Exist. And there was nothing wrong with with that album. I remember liking it, but I just stopped listening to a lot of just the music in the scene that wasn't in my top five, such as Attack, Attack, Of Mice and Men, A Day to Remember, The Dev Wars, Prada, or Bring Me to the Horizon. If it wasn't those five, I wasn't really paying attention.
1: Yeah, see, I kind of fell in the same boat where, you know, I'd listen to Mice and Men three, four times a day. You know, I'd crunch through an album. Yeah. And, you know, these guys were
0: just sitting right there being better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Right. And just my personal opinion, you know, look at Mice and Men now, like no offense to Aaron Polly or the rest of the guys, but I just don't care what they're doing now compared to what was going on in 2013. You know, A Day to Remember, they've completely derailed and they're having a ton of problems and they've not released a good album and probably seven years. So they're like irrelevant. And then the Devorah's Prada, I just want to say they're not what they were when I loved them, when Chris Ruby was in the band. And then Bring Me the Horizon, like they're doing good stuff. It's just, I prefer some of their older stuff more. So like in terms of like Moths to Flames doing stuff better than those bands, absolutely. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I mean,
1: I was absolutely astounded at the amount of musicianship that had been, like, hiding right next to shit that I was complaining about, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, it and yeah, so I didn't like any of the later Of Mice and Men, like Earth and Sky. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was... it it was it was all right you know it it wasn't really what struck my fancy but you know then I get into this and I'm like damn this is like exactly what I wanted actually like kind of like a melding of like older style metalcore with just like new tones and maybe a little intricate guitar work here there to like wake up the little prog kid inside me so no it it was it was flawlessly executed I think
0: so what made it your number three because as you mentioned you know this is your number three and this is my number two
1: So, yeah, as I was saying, I mean, this this one just checked all the boxes for me. I mean, it production, the clever lyrics with, like, just prime, prime vocal quality and executions in there. It was well-written guitar. Drums were, like, artistic and not just timekeepers the whole time. Uh, And you can actually hear the bass like a lot. Yeah. But it was just like a dynamic powerhouse with just, I feel like something for every metalcore fan.
0: And in terms of it being their peak or like if they have room to grow, I feel like this album was the second win for this band. And I love that for the most part, they're being given a chance to blossom by their fans. It's just nice to see that. After, like
1: I said earlier, I listened to their entire catalog. I, I hope that this is I, I want more than this. You know, I, I feel like that they have a very tall ceiling that they can achieve better things. Um, I like seeing their progression and determination. And I think they have a very promising future and can take it up a notch.
0: The fact that there's old scene kids like us that are back to listening to them and they're in this new era of new core. I think that they have an advantage that a lot of bands don't, just to be honest, because I feel like Caleb Shomo, you know, Beartooth's great and everything at times, but I feel like a lot of Beartooth fans come from Attack Attack days, and a lot of those are really old fans. I definitely agree. I, I almost
1: feel bad for them in a sense, because now they're like camp counselors at metalcore <laughs> Camp. <laughs>
0: And uh, that's no knock on Beartooth. I'm just saying, you know, there is a demographic of potential fans, I guess.
1: I, I mean, if you were to ask anybody with an OG, OG, we're talking Attack Attack shirt, a Day to Remember shirt, Miss May I
0: shirt, you'd be like,
1: oh, yeah, you, you listen to Beartooth. I guarantee you they say yes. Fun
0: fact, like Moths to Flames, they're already back to writing. So I feel like the good reception of this album has already given them the confidence to make strides going forward, and I want that for them. I want it so much. You know, Chris Roder,
1: guys, please keep keep it going. You're doing fantastic. I'm a fan.
0: So, in terms of my three favorite songs off this album, I would have to say "Habitual Decline," "Burn in Water," "Drown in Flame," and "Killing What's Underneath." What about you, Jay?
1: So mine was Year of the Moth, or Y-O-T-M, as they call it on the album, Uh, The Anatomy and Evil, which is the starter song on that album, and Selective Sacrifice, but definite honorable mention to uh, Habitual Decline, and Burn in Water, Drown in Flame.
0: Which honestly, just honorable mention the whole album because there's not a track on there that I dislike. Oh,
1: definitely not. No, I, I enjoyed every fucking song on there.
0: And thankfully, like if you listen to our review, there are certain problems that I had with songs that the more I've listened to the album, those have faded away, which is a really good thing because now I can just throw this on from start to finish some of the songs that I didn't really connect with so much. So it's just one of those things that I'm glad that songs I gave half a point to ended up becoming a full point song for me
1: the only real complaints that i had were like stylistic choices so you know stuff that i didn't agree with on a personal level or didn't uh i guess just strike me in the right way but you know going back and listening to it i actually have come to appreciate what they chose to do in that direction
0: all right so what's your number two album
1: so my number two album is how to survive a funeral by make them suffer uh my favorite track on here was definitely bones
0: So Jay, did you learn how to survive a funeral from this album? <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's it's not very good at
1: explaining how. <laughs> I, I seriously, I've listened to this, this fucking album so, so many times. So many times. Bought the vinyl. I accidentally bought two of the vinyl, so I actually have two of them. I, I order things from, like, Unified and shit, and then I'll forget that I ordered them because everything's taking so long, and I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's on sale, and I'll buy it again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's priceless.
1: So, I feel like they, just in general, they have always been a very unique band where they just kind of dance around being a deathcore band, a metalcore band, and then they have, like, mm-hmm. they have, like, a one- female singer. They're pretty much not the same band anymore. Let me just go ahead and say that if you're not familiar. It's just the singer, the original singer. And then in 2017, I guess everybody broke up and there's a whole new band since 2017 that this album and World Apart came out with. So they've kept their one female singer that adds like this, like aria melody singing to, you know, his just absolute disgusting gutturals. And it's very unique. They have synths going the whole time very dynamic, very intricate guitar work, very articulate guitar work. And it's just been consistent since, you know, they started. So it's just a very unique way to do uh, symphonic death And honestly just has a little bit for everybody, you know, like if you're not quite into death core, you're not ready to go that heavy start here. If you like death core, but you also like metalcore, check this out, you know, something for everybody.
0: And this album isn't in my top or honorable mentions or anything, but the title track, How to Survive a Funeral, is a really good song. And I enjoy that quite a bit. I enjoy the uh, clean vocals in there, good melody, perfectly heavy. And the heavy parts kind of remind me of like a 2000s style of, I guess, alternative, I don't know what to call it. Yeah, it's like that Seether, Hinder kind
1: of era stuff, but like with a lot more oomph.
0: I guess it would be similar to Linkin Park in a way. Okay. Yeah. But in a non ripoff way.
1: Yeah. I could definitely see where like like some people we know. (laughs) Yeah. That's (laughs) like what we were talking about, about, you know, inspiration versus, you know, ripoff. Yeah. Um, Yeah. This is definitely inspiration way. I I feel that. But yeah. So, you know, how I found this band, I've been closely following them for years. It's just, I heard one of their songs. It was, uh, Oh man, I can't even remember it now. Well, Uncharted is the one that I messaged them on. I I messaged them and at the time, I wasn't really like sure what I was doing with, you know, learning guitar and I was about to get my first seven string. And so I was like, you know, this is the sound that I want to achieve is that breakdown from Uncharted on Worlds Apart. And so I messaged them and I was like, hey, you know, what do you guys recommend? I want to achieve that sound. They gave me their full freaking thing, like everything they use, what settings, like everything. I was like, wow. They're like, and if you need any help, you hit us up. You know, thanks for being a fan. We appreciate you. It was like, holy shit. That's awesome.
0: I love that. That's awesome. And they didn't have to do that, you know?
1: So that was just really cool of them to, you know, do that. I didn't even say that, like, I liked them at all. I was just like, hey, I heard your song. It's neat send me your shit and they gave me everything
0: they made a fan out of you though i I mean i would
1: have listened to it anyway but (laughs) you know
0: it definitely kept coming back those kind of interactions are very important though they they are because that's something that stuck with you yeah
1: no definitely and honestly it helped me a bunch like i i've made some very good instrumental decisions you know i i kind of know what i'm doing better when i am recording so yeah it's helped me immensely and they put out absolute bangers every year
0: now given the fact that this was the first album that i've ever heard by this band it would in in my opinion i would think that they are growing as a band do you feel like that's accurate? That you know they've not reached their peak; that they have more room to grow.
1: So, like I was saying earlier, this is like this is a unique situation because essentially this is a brand new band, right? Because it's just the lead singer who's giving them like an artistic direction to go in, and then all the other members pretty much started in 2017. So, yeah, I, I don't know what their full potential is. You know, their last album, Worlds Apart. Uh, was fantastic. It was very artistic. It was uh, very, uh, very dynamic sounds, very polarizing sounds. Uh, This one takes a more focused approach, I guess, but still has like that symphonic deathcore uh, vibe going on. So I don't think that this is their peak. I definitely think that they have a tall ceiling here as well. Um, So I'm really interested to see what 2021 brings, 2022 even, because I definitely think that they can... Put out some better stuff, too.
0: All right. And what were your three favorite songs on this album? Erase Me was really cool. I
1: highly suggest checking that one out if you're not familiar with this band. Bones, the groove in there is
0: just... Unrivaled, and How to Survive a Funeral, the title song. Okay, so I like two of those three. Erase Me is really good. And of course, like I said, How to Survive a Funeral. I feel like at least Erase Me and How to Survive a Funeral just show like their dynamic range. And that's something that is important to the both of us.
1: I feel like there's a certain quality about Australian metalcore. And this band is no exception to that rule. So check
0: them out if you do not. So next up is both mine and jay's number one album of the year we've talked about it several times we did a full discography review of this band our number one album of 2020 is polaris the death of me Jay. So what made this album land at number one? I mean, honestly, it was
1: a close tie between Make Them Suffer and Polaris for me, but I definitely think that this album was like flawless. This is a pinnacle of albums for me. I, I There's like not a single thing that I could find wrong with it, to be honest. I mean, there's, right. there's stylistic things that maybe I don't personally like, but scientifically, if we're looking at just the facts, it, it is like, Flawless. I I can't find something to knock it on.
0: And this is another band that came completely out of nowhere for the both of us. Am I correct?
1: Pretty much, yeah. I I found them a little bit earlier than I think you did, just because like I I was so much into this because I was listening to make them suffer. (laughs) yeah Um, so yeah pretty much it it just kind of popped up for the both of us I don't really have like a cool story to tell about how I found Polaris but probably 2017 2018 or so I think I found them
0: and my barber Stephen hopefully you're listening to this he's the one that recommended them to me and one of the singles that I listened to before the album released was Hypermania and at first, I thought it was okay. It was a little too much every time I die. For my taste, if, if you get that, it's you know, just a chaotic song in a way. And me and you had ended up listening to this album when it came out, just kind of out of duty for like the sake of reviewing new music. Like that's right when you joined the show and became the co-host. And we are just trying something different out than what we were doing before on the show. And that's when we heard this album, reviewed it. I was kind of thrown back because it was something that was new to me and I realized that there was something special about this band. Players just has like all
1: the vibes. You know, you, you can come into this in any mood and get exactly what you need. Yeah. Like it's high energy, it's inspiring, it's reassuring. If you're mad, it you know, it vibes with you. If you're sad, it make you feel better. If you you know, if you're just feeling down, it gets you up and moves. Like it, it's just awesome. The guitar parts are like just watching an action movie fight scene,
0: you know? Yeah. Just like it's John Wick, but also guitar at the same time. And as I mentioned before, you know, we did a full discography review about this band just because we are going to try something with Patreon for like discography reviews that didn't work out because it's a massive undertaking. But I'm glad that we did that because it exposed us to the progression that this band went through. And if we're going to talk about an artist having a peak or if there's room to grow, I feel like maybe this could be their peak. But I say that because we've seen nothing but progression since 2013 from their album Dichotomy. I I solidly agree with that. I mean, they've just gone straight
1: up. It's not even like an incline. It's straight the fuck up, like fantastic work. I hope this isn't their peak. Like, I hope there's another album after this that's going to be amazing. Right. But like, honestly,
0: I cannot fathom how. (laughs) Exactly. Because you have the guilt and the grief, the mortal coil, and now this album and... They're all essentially like the same, but with improvements from one album to the next. And this album took a lot of people like us by surprise because I somehow missed the releases that came before this album. And if it does get better than this, I think that the band will have a long career of nothing but good things to come.
1: I definitely agree with that. I feel like a lot of uh, newly emerging metalcore bands are like starting to use techniques that they were using in the guilt and the grief. They're using them now. Yeah. And this band is like, yeah, we left that shit in the dust,
0: (laughs) you know? Yeah, I completely agree with that. And hopefully this band just doesn't chill where they're at because of this album doing so well. I really hope they don't get complacent or lazy. You know, I still want them to grow and find new ways to approach their sound without abandoning what I like most about them. You know, they're a metalcore band that has just done everything right, whether that be songwriting, perfecting their parts, or just not trying anything too weird. And the way they package this is just perfect. And I feel like you could show it to someone who doesn't even like metalcore. And it's it's approachable no matter what genre of
1: music you enjoy. Like, you know, if you like classic rock, you can look in there and watch these guys playing guitar and just be like, holy shit, like that's not the guitar solo. That's just the freaking chorus, (laughs) you know? Yeah, there's really there's something for everyone. And I'm only going to knock on this this one thing is that I feel like they could reorder the tracks on their album better, and I'm not even entirely sure if that's something they control. So going forward in the future, maybe do better on that or don't. I mean, realistically, I feel like you have enough good going on to overshadow that by a great
0: amount. So hopefully, you know, this band waits a while before they release something else. I would hate to see them rush something out just for the sake of, but this album, The Death of Me, it's something that I'm going to enjoy for years to come. This is a classic to me. And this is another one coming from...
1: Australia, man. I, I mean, Australia is just the place for metalcore now. You know, you go to Germany for razors, you go to Japan for good cars, you go to Australia for good metalcore. <laughs> all right. So, what were your
0: three favorite songs from this album?
1: Uh, so, mine were Landmine. I love that fucking song. I tried to learn how to play it. I do not recommend uh, if you ever want to just like not look at a guitar again. Go ahead, look it up. Uh, Vagabond and uh, all of this is fleeting.
0: So, this is another one where. Your three are different than my three, because my three are a masochist. Well, Landmine, we do share that. And uh, I've listened to that to the point that I'm borderline sick of it. I love it. (laughs) Like, I almost hate it also, just because I've heard it so much. And also Pray for Rain. I feel like that's the perfect album opener.
1: Definitely, definitely honorable mention to Pray for Rain. And yes, I agree. That is a perfect album opener.
0: Pray for rain greater than pray for plagues.
1: I mean, that's a bold ass statement, but I can't tell you you're wrong. So <laughs>
0: in, in 2020, at least in 2020, for sure. Yes, because if you put pray for rain back in like 2007 or whatever, people would be like, this is garbage. <laughs> what are these guys thinking they're they're the fucking macbooks
1: of metalcore get out of here all right so did you have anything to add for the top albums of 2020 absolutely not but if you want to go find us on the social medias and tell us what your top 2020 albums were that would be greatly appreciated we love talking to our fans and interacting with you guys so yeah be sure to reach out to us
0: and just know that, you know, we know that there was a shitload of music that came out this year and we're just, you know, glimpsing at the amount of releases that came out. But you have to keep in mind, we also run a podcast. We have to listen to a few albums many times, so we may not be listening to 100 plus albums. And it's not my goal to be the podcast of, hey, check out this new like underground band. It's like, I I don't want to be that podcast. I want to look at the things that are up and coming and everyone is kind of looking at rather than be looking for the next big thing, I guess, that no one knows
1: about. Yeah, I, I definitely wanna just break it down for people, maybe maybe understand it in a in a different light and uh like vibe with the reasons why we like this and vibe with the reasons we don't like this. Uh present your own arguments, you know, that kind of thing.
0: And looking at music through those lens takes listening to an album over and over and over again for two weeks and not listening to anything else really. We're not out there for volume. We are out there for the quality of a review. And if that means listening to 150 albums less or whatever, I'm all for that because I want to find albums that I really liked, such as like Miles to Flames and Polaris and really dive deep and enjoy those rather than listen to 100 plus albums that I just feel okay about.
1: Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, like Worlds Apart, Uncharted on Worlds Apart alone, I think I must have listened to that probably 30 times like last week, (laughs) which is disgusting. Um, But, you know, like even this stuff, like I had to listen to every one of these albums before I did this today. So that way I could be, you know, super familiar with it. But yeah, definitely quality over quantity anytime on Poolside Podcast.
0: So with that said, that was our top albums of 2020. Much different than the two years prior. So I hope we are able to bring something new to the table That we've not done before. I really enjoyed this process. It felt more natural than what we did before in the past. And Jay, I'm glad to have you on the show that we could do this. We really spent the year together, like, developing these tastes. You having your own and me having my own. And somehow, out of our top five, we shared two of them.
1: Yeah, no, I'm pretty impressed. You know, I I never thought that you'd like Polaris, to be honest. And, you know, here we are sharing the same top
0: one. And they're like my favorite band now, so. (laughs) I'm very impressed. Thank you for listening. My name's Derek. My name's Jay. And you'll hear us next time. Bye.